Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and we are broadcasting as we usually are from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that is not going to pull the mega bank treatment on you, if you know what I mean, and if you're at one of those banks, you know what I mean. Um, if you're looking for a bank that's big enough to handle all your needs as a, as a small, medium-sized business, but they do it in a personal way, I think Renaissance Bank is that bank. That's the, what I found in my dealings with them. So if you're looking for something different, go to renaissancebank.com. Find their local office, some 200 or so across the southeast, and give them a call. And I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Jesse Morton. Jesse is a managing director. He's the Atlanta office leader of Stout. Jesse, welcome. Thanks so much, John. Yeah, welcome back, actually. So, yes, yeah, thank you. Great, great to have you back in the studio. Let's... Uh, for those that don't know you, let's give an introduction to you and to Stout. How are you serving the market out there? Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah. So Stout uh, generally is a global financial advisory firm. We have a little over 900 employees in 25 offices globally, about 19 in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and six overseas. My specialization is working with disputes, compliance, and investigations. And recently, I've been helping uh, hundreds, actually thousands of businesses on the employee retention tax credit. And uh, my expertise in that area is that I uh, have been working for years, uh, actually decades, although I I hate to admit it's been that long. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, helping the the government and and uh, private businesses working against the government with fraud, waste, abuse, misconduct, and non compliance related issues in government programs, as well as anti money laundering related issues. So that's how I got into this area when the when the pandemic first hit, and mm -hmm. there were numerous new types of programs out there to provide different types of aid. And there was a, a need in the market for someone with my background to help businesses navigate through some of the complexities of the, the money and the programs that, that were out there. Right. And, uh, and we'll get to this here in just a second, but the, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. To, some of these programs got put out there, but then there are abuses to them. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here in a second. But the, for those that don't know, I mean, let's just describe very briefly what, what the employee retention tax credit is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So the employee retention tax credit was one of two economic stimulus programs, the other being the Paycheck Protection Program, that was designed to help small businesses that were impacted by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And the employee retention tax credit, again, along with the Paycheck Protection Program, were both established in late March of 2020, right at the onset of the pandemic. And what the employee retention credit was designed to do was to help businesses that were impacted either financially or non-financially 
through complying with the government COVID-related orders. So what the employee retention credit does, and there have been several pieces of legislation that that have amended it, but I will talk about the the final version, the one that is Mm -hmm. currently active. What it does is it provides up to $26,000 per employee of a tax credit that is received in the form of a physical check from the IRS for businesses that were affected in one of two ways. There's the financial way and the non-financial way. The financial way is if a business had a significant reduction in revenue from twenty from their 2019 revenues to 2020 mm-hmm. and or 2021, then a business may be eligible to claim the credit. Right. The second way, the non-financial way, is if a business had to make modifications to its operations in order to comply with government COVID orders, and those modifications had a more than 10% impact on its operations, then it may also be eligible for the employee retention credit. Right. So there's there are some fairly specific um, guidelines there. Just as a point of reference, what? how long is this program going to be open in terms of being able to file? Yeah, so the the duration of the actual claim is relevant for the period of March 2020 through September of 2021. Mm-hmm. The 2020 claims for those businesses that may be eligible to file the claim for 2020 have to be filed by uh, April 15th of 2024. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the ones in 2021, uh, the claims for 2021 have to be filed by April of 2025. Got it. So, uh, so really, it, what it is is an attempt to um, very similar to PPP help, but just a different um, uh, manner of applying the aid. Right? Um, it's a way to help businesses that retained employees through the pandemic, basically. Yeah. And I would say more broadly than that, it was really designed uh, as a way to help make whole businesses that were generally impacted, again, either financially or non-financially or both by the pandemic. And of course, the ultimate goal is to provide the aid and make them whole so that these businesses can continue to retain and hire employees right. as opposed to to making layoffs, which many businesses either did or strongly contemplated early on in the pandemic uh, because they just simply did not have the same business model or didn't need the same number of people based on a variety of, of reasons. So certainly the the primary purpose was to make sure that uh, businesses that were impacted did continue to to keep and, and retain employees. Got it. Now, Jesse, you are of the view that there are a lot of, um, we'll call them uh, uh, pro- uh, services providers, who um, some of them, which may be brand new, that are, have, have been and continue to make uh, ERC claims on behalf of clients that are 
uh, those claims are based on, uh, we'll say faulty, faulty following of the law. Is that a fair way to put it? Yes, exactly. So the, the IRS put out a notice back in October that was designed to warn employers that were interested in exploring the employee retention credit or had already filed the employee retention credit that essentially was designed to put employers on notice that employers are responsible for the tax filings that they make. And it reminded taxpayers that there are a lot of very aggressive ERC firms that are out there. There are a lot of firms that had little to no experience with tax filings or accounting-related issues and legal issues, for that matter, that popped up, uh, not surprisingly, because there's a a lot of money at stake here, $26,000 per employee, which, again, I mean, it can be life-changing money for a lot of business owners. And what the IRS notice uh, warned employers was that a lot of these companies that popped up uh, simply are not qualified to make an appropriate assessment as to whether a an employer should be filing a claim. And there are also a lot of businesses that are taking extremely aggressive positions. And Full disclosure, the IRS guidance around employee retention credits is uh, it's pretty vague mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and it, there's also a not not a lot of it. But e- even though it is it is vague and, and a lot of the areas are open to interpretations, some of which are open to fairly liberal interpretations. Even so, there are a lot of companies, and again, this is reiterated in the the, the IRS notice, that are being flat out too aggressive. And they are making statements and assertions to taxpayers and to small business owners that are just simply false. Um, and, And what they're doing is they're putting these small business owners in a very difficult situation because what the IRS has the ability to do and what they remind employers in this situation is that if an employer makes a claim, even if the employer who may know little to nothing about employee retention credits and rely on on an advisor, they ultimately are responsible for the accuracy of the tax filings that they make. And if they make a tax filing that is overly aggressive or takes too much uh, uh, openness or or a too liberal interpretation or a too aggressive uh, interpretation of the guidance, and they ultimately get challenged, the taxpayer can be on the hook for uh, going through an audit um, if they're not able to substantiate their claim and they don't have proper documentation, it can be an extremely painful process that ultimately may result in not only repaying the amount of the claim, but it could also open them up to fines, penalties, interest, and in extreme cases, it could result in criminal liability. So what are some of these, um, you mentioned some of these aggressive uh, stances, I guess, that 
that some of these providers are taking when it comes to uh, applying the the credit to a particular filing. So what are some of those aggress- aggressive uh, standards um, or positions, I should say, that are that you quarrel with? Yeah, I, I think there are a couple things uh, that, that a lot of these companies are doing. Um, one, one is we are seeing a trend with these improper filings, and, and this isn't always the case, but, but one is, is when was the business that is, when is the ERC business, when was it established? Mm-hmm. Was it established right uh, when this program came out and was it established just to do these credits? If so, that's a bit of a red flag. If you've got a business that's been around for years and years and they've been working on tax related issues, gives you a little bit more confidence that they probably know what they're, they're talking about and, and are, are more reliable with regard to specific, uh, things that we're seeing in, in the claims, and, and again, a lot of this is laid out in the IRS guidance, is we're, we're seeing that a lot of these businesses are, uh, one, leaving taxpayers with little to no supporting documentation for their claim. Mm-hmm. So they are not providing them with the actual ERC calculations. They're not providing them with a comprehensive analysis that analyzes and and substantiates exactly how and why the business was qualified. We're also seeing that they are frequently relying on government orders that they should not be relying on. So for example, there are several companies that are taking the position that a recommendation that was made early on in the pandemic by the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, and the uh, OSHA um, are relevant orders that can be relied upon to make an ERC claim. And recent guidance, especially in, in a recent IRS audit guide, makes it clear that those just flat out are not relevant orders that can be relied upon. It's also explicit in the IRS guidance that face mask orders alone are insufficient for a claim to be made uh, and and to rely on as an order for a basis of, of a claim. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing that there is a provision in the uh, IRS notice 2021-20, which is the ERC guidance that says that if a business was unable to get critical goods and materials from a supplier due to the supplier being fully or partially suspended, so being being closed for a period of time, then that is also sufficient for a claim. And we're seeing a lot of claims from small businesses that go through a lot of these, what are what the IRS refers to as ERC mills, making very broad and sweeping statements about supply chain related issues. I don't think it's any secret that certainly beginning in late 2020 and well throughout 2021, and we're still seeing it, there are massive supply chain related issues. They exist in almost every single industry. 
And a lot of these ERC mills are making very broad sweeping statements without pointing to specific suppliers or specific orders that businesses are eligible just because of the supply chain related issues generally. Well, let me make sure to clarify here. So there's, uh, I mean, one way to qualify would be to have a material reduction in revenue. We won't get into timeframes and all that stuff, folks. I mean, you, you can contact Jesse for further detail on that. But the point is for reduction in revenue from 2019, which was the year before the pandemic to 2020, 2021, right? Yes. So, um, I mean, if you had down revenue and you qualify under that provision, this other stuff really doesn't matter, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. So, so what we're talking about is if you had revenue that was the same or higher, that um, there are, and you, you've got a, a ERC uh, tax advisor, tax credit advisor who's coming up with um, leaning uh, leaning on uh, uh, not going into the office orders or uh, face mask rules or something like that, then that's where you've got some issues. Cor- correct. Okay. Okay. Yes. Because I don't want to scare people that like they qualify under very specific guidelines that are easy to point to, right, in terms of just your revenue being down. Yeah, and the best way to think about this is that the revenue test, which again, we won't go into a, a, the specifics, but if a business qualifies on the revenue test, that that is considered to be a, a safe harbor. Okay, got it. Okay. And, and what we're talking about is what's called the full or partial suspension of, of operations test, which and, is more subjective. Yeah, it, uh, Thank you. It, uh, I was going to say a judgment call, right? And so what you're relying on is is the judgment of your advisor, and which is why the IRS would suddenly be concerned about whether that advisor has been in business for 35 minutes or, <laughs> or more, right? Exactly. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. So are, are we... You know, it's interesting to me that the IRS has um, figured out there's a problem so quickly. Why did that? Why do you think that happened? I mean, because there there are a lot of filings that have not even been made yet, right? Exactly, and and, and it's a it's an interesting issue because on the one hand, you have the the GAO the Government Accountability Office that that put out a report saying that in their estimation seventy percent of businesses that are eligible have not applied for this credit which is a clear indication that they recognize that a lot of businesses just haven't explored this this opportunity and and more businesses should on the other hand what you have is you have the IRS that is looking at what the original budget was for this program, which was about $8 billion. And I don't know the exact figure now, but they are well into the hundreds of billions of dollars of Mm. of claims. Yeah, And I think if I had to, I'm speculating here, but if I had to guess what the IRS is doing is two things. They're, They're looking at what was budgeted versus what's actually coming in and they're saying why is there such a discrepancy mm. and they've discovered that people are taking certain aggressive positions with the guidance 
And number two is I, I'm sure that probably all your listeners have seen commercials and heard radio ads and have probably been bombarded with emails and other types of communications from what I would consider to be pretty aggressive marketing tactics and and information that is uh, just simply not accurate. So I think the IRS sees that and and they've they've looked at the dollars that have been uh, budgeted versus spent and they they see you know what I'll call the the tangible ads and marketing and they're saying we we've got a problem here right that, no that makes sense and uh, it's pretty easy for the IRS to to do a um, send out a letter and say. Uh, give us the reasons, you know, the substantiation in terms of why you made the, the claim, right? I mean, in terms of your rev, if your revenue's down and shows your, your, uh, financials, that's pretty easy to take you out of consideration for a full scale audit. Right. Um, but, um, but if you don't have, if that's not the circumstance for you, um, you, you better have your, your rationale, buttoned down pretty tightly. So the question, I guess, is for those that are suddenly thinking about that and thinking, uh-oh, am I, have I gone down on the wrong trail? How should they check that? What should they do? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. The, the IRS recently put out some, some information for the first time in a while as to specifically what they're going to be looking for. And, and the way this happens is, is, when the IRS is concerned about a claim, or, or maybe they're just curious, I'm, I sh- maybe I shouldn't say concerned, curious yeah, right, about right, a claim, right? they send out what's called a, an, an IDR, an information document request. And it's a pretty comprehensive list. But to, to narrow down on a couple key things, which, which again are the issues that we've seen where a lot of these ERC mills are leaving small businesses in a lurch, one is... A business should have the calculations for the for the employee retention credit claim, and it should tie to the specific amount of, of the the claim, mm-hmm. and it should tie to the amount of the checks received. They are specifically also asking for copies of the government orders that force the business to make modifications that are the basis of the claim that resulted in a full or partial suspension of operations. They are also asking for specific copies of the government orders that resulted in supply chain related issues. If the reliance was primarily on supply chain, they're also asking for letters from the business's suppliers to prove that that business was fully or partially shut down. They're also asking for a very comprehensive analysis that ties the government orders to the modifications that were made and then analyzes the specific impacts that resulted from those modifications. And that is not a one-page letter. That Mm -hmm. is not a paragraph. That is typically an extremely comprehensive analysis that's performed by a firm like Stout. There are other firms that do it as well and do it very well. Um, 
and or an attorney. Sure. Sure. So, um, you better have your documentation together is the answer. Um, so the, I guess the question is, so you, uh, if you have a, a circumstance where, uh, you, you're out there and you've got thousands or millions of dollars at stake here in some of these, in some instances, um, should, should you get a second opinion, I guess, to use a medical term, (laughs) is, is that a wise thing to do? A wise expenditure of money? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I would say that I, I think every business that filed an employee retention credit claim should spend a couple thousand dollars (laughs) or at least contact a trusted advisor and have them review the documentation and and see whether you're in a good position or whether your file needs some what I'll call remediation, needs some help. Right, right. Um, but let's give some comfort to those that need the comfort, those that are qualified and have no issues, right? And particularly those that have not filed, because sometimes what happens, and you know this quite well, is that people don't take advantage of what they could take advantage of legally because they're too scared. They're going to get audited and caught caught in air quotes. Um, encourage those folks uh, yeah. on this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I know a lot of the things that I've said are, are, are pretty, pretty scary. <laughs> and, uh, but the reality is that the employee retention credit program, it, it's a phenomenal program, mm-hmm. much like the paycheck protection program. Again, it's designed to help those businesses that were significantly impacted during the pandemic. It's a phenomenal program. It's a great opportunity for those businesses that fit within the, the guidance of those that should get the credit. And there are numerous types of businesses and, and businesses that are in areas that were more affected than others that should reach out to a good, educated advisor. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there, there are many CPAs, many firms, many attorneys who know this area well and explore whether they have a good faith basis for making the claim and how strong that claim is. Because given the fact that this is a credit that is potentially up to $26,000 per employee, for a lot of businesses, this is life-changing money. It can completely change how a, a business operates. It can open up a lot of different avenues. It can result in um, be, being able to to leverage it into to operating lines of credit, making capital investments. I mean, it is a significant amount of money. So I don't want to incur, encourage people to stay away from this credit and, and fear exploring right. it. Yeah. I want to encourage people to 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 go into it eyes wide open to do your due diligence and explore multiple businesses and multiple options and I want people to know the questions that they should ask if they are going to go down this route so that they're put in a very good 
defensible position if their claim is ever challenged by the IRS and not be put in 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 a lurch when some of these businesses are are uh, that popped up at, at the onset of the pandemic are you know no longer around and and they have no way to defend their their audit and the the owners and a lot of the employees of these businesses are sitting on a beach and mm-hmm. you know Belize or something like sure. that. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um yeah, this Jesse, this has been really important information I think for listeners and you know, again, um I mean, we could have a two hour show on this, right. And talk to talk about all the ins and outs and we can't do that. We're running up on time. Um, but that's okay because everybody's got their own circumstance and that's where they need to be in touch with you. Right. So let's yes. give them directions on how they can do that. Yeah. The best way to, to reach me is, is to send me an email. My email is J Morton, M O R T O N at stout.com. And that is stout like the beer. Or you can go to www.stout.com, and we do have a page on employee retention credits. Or you can give me a call. My phone number is 678-573-2686. But uh, I welcome uh, any and all communication and certainly look forward to hearing some of your your audience with uh, any questions that they have. Sure. I think the invite, the advice has been stout today too, uh, uh, to, to, uh, ex- extend the, uh, metaphor there. So, uh, Jesse, this has been great. No, seriously. Thank you so much for coming in and talking, talking about this issue. And, uh, we appreciate the work you do. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Um, Hey folks, just a quick thought for you. If you're, uh, Jesse mentioned, uh, that, uh, bookkeeping with uh, receipts falling out of the shoebox kind of thing. Well, if you've got that issue or you've got administrative tasks that you're struggling to keep up with in your business, it could be that you just don't need to be doing that stuff, Um, that you need to be out in the front office working with clients and, and prospective clients. So here's a suggestion for you. Go to officeangels.us or better yet, give SES Cabido over at Office Angels a call, 770-442-9246. They've been around for over two decades. And what they do is they have a whole team of angels that fly in, get the job done, whether the job is bookkeeping or administrative task, or maybe it's presentations or marketing, but any of those kind of things that you need done, they will do on an ongoing or as-needed basis. And they've got a great team. I know that because I use some of their services myself. So if that's a problem for you in your business and you want to take the next step in your growth, give Essie a call, and I think you'll be glad you did. And, folks, just a quick reminder. I've got a book coming out this year. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices Using the Generosity Mindset Method. And it's for solo and single uh, and small professional services Folks that are you're having trouble with your pricing. So if that's an issue for you, you'd like to know more, go to pricevaluejourney.com. You can sign up for updates on when the book's coming out and other information as well. And I'd be honored if you uh, are interested in that and want to learn more. And a big thank you to all our listeners. So we've, we've passed show number 600 for North Fulton Business Radio, and we're still going strong, and we're excited about where we have been and where we're going. And we are 
we can claim that because of you, because of your support of our work. You've continued to share the show when you found information that you think a colleague or a, a friend might be interested in. I can't imagine that there wouldn't be a reason to share this show uh, with given the information that Jesse has given us. So please continue to do that and please continue to uh, uh, listen and support us. We're grateful for that as we celebrate business leaders like Jesse and the great work that they do in our community. So for my guest, Jesse Morton, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.